Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be with you. We're glad that you have uh, tuned in today to uh, be a part of this Easter celebration, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's good news that Jesus does live. And I appreciate all those songs that we were singing today. It's just, you know, just exciting to keep that in memory and keep that in mind. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really... This is just really difficult to do without you here. I, wish, I really wish you were here with us. In fact, you're, what I'm about to tell you, you're going to wish you were here. I don't know who did it. I think it was Michonne, but somebody made cinnamon rolls and brought them in here today. And there's, and there's extra frosting. There's a big bowl of extra frosting. And the, the few of us that are here, except me because I'm keto, I can't do it, uh, everybody else is being able to enjoy these, these wonderful cinnamon rolls with extra frosting. Now, you should just be here right now. If you, if you were here, you could fight over what's left. And, uh, but after you first listen to me preach after a little while. But... Anyway, it is uh, good to be with you. I, I do want to just say how much, honestly, truly, we just miss you. We miss being around you. I've called a few of you. I'm, I'm trying to call a lot of people, you know, and just make contact somehow. And, uh, you know, you, you just realize how much you miss folks when they're not around. And so we really do miss you. I know, I know the church isn't the building. But the church, the, the, the true definition of church is the called together ones. And I think that's part of our identity. We can be the church. We are obviously the church when we're not together, regardless. But part of our identity is in our togetherness. Well, we're not physically, literally together right here, right now. But we are together in spirit. And it's great to have you with us today. And at any point when you're watching this... Um, but I have, a, I have an Easter message. I, I have a word that I feel like God wants me to preach. I feel like the Lord put, uh, you know, he spoke to me yesterday. I, I was writing down in my notes and saying something like, and I want to talk about, you know. And, and I felt like, I actually felt a real check in my spirit for some strange reason. Well, I felt like, no, you're supposed to preach. And I was like, oh, Okay. I mean, I, you know, so anyway, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that was the Lord or just, you know, the desire for um, cinnamon rolls talking. I don't know. But anyway, I have a message today, and it's entitled, Stand Up and Walk. Stand Up and Walk. If you're at home, say that with me. Stand Up and Walk. If you have your Bibles, you're going to want to open there to First Peter chapter 1, and I want to read the first five verses out of first peter chapter one you know on friday night we had a we we had a gathering where we uh focused on the power of the cross the two most important cornerstones of the christian faith are the cross and the resurrection of jesus christ and out of those two events out of those two separate happenings we not only have the forgiveness of our sins, but based upon our confidence in what Jesus did on the cross and our faith, because he rose from the dead, we have the hope and the reality of abundant and everlasting life. Hallelujah. And so not only are we completely and totally given, forgiven, 
but we are alive in Christ, and we will not only live with him forever, but we can live abundantly in him now. Amen. And so I love the resurrection. I love talking about the cross. We love just reflecting on the power of the cross, but I want to reflect on this idea of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, I want to read to you. Peter, it says, Peter, an apostle. Hang on just a second. Excuse me. I had to clear things out. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion, or your translation might say sojourners, of the people that are scattered, something like that, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, you are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, Look at those words. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In fact, Michonne, if you could bring up that third verse on the screen here. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy. How many of you thank God for his mercy? Amen. Every day of our lives, we wake up to the mercy of God. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his abundant mercy. According to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. We were born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today I want to talk about this idea of the resurrection and what it really means for us today. So let me just pray father thank you for your presence here today and we thank you for everyone watching us right now from wherever they're watching and we just pray god that the power of your word will just flow into every heart as we hear the word of god as we listen to what the spirit of the lord is saying god you know what each and every person needs you know what what word they need to receive today And God, it's not going to be every word that I say, but maybe there's something that's said that's going to reset, as Daniel said earlier, recalibrate. God, cause a refocusing to come in into each one of our lives in this wonderful resurrected life we have in Jesus. And so I pray your blessing in your name. And everybody says amen. Amen. Peter wrote this letter to Christians who were beginning to suffer for the sake of Christ in the regions where they were living. They were starting to experience the rejection of the world, and there was mounting pressure building up with these believers where they were starting to see in certain areas persecution because they were followers of Jesus Christ. 
And Peter later, when he was addressing them after this passage, a little bit later in this first chapter, he was talking about these things that they're going through as a fiery trial. He called it a fiery trial. And he refers to them, if you remember, and you can see it here in chapter, uh, the first verse of chapter 1, he called them pilgrims of the dispersion. And other translations say sojourners, people who are scattered about. Sojourners or pilgrims, when Peter referred to them as that, he was reminding them that all the believers, he's saying, I want you to remember that you are merely passing through this life and the things of this world. Don't get too, don't hold too tightly to this world when things are good, and don't hold too tightly to this world when things are bad. When, when everything is clicking together, when everything's working, we have a tendency to hold on tightly. We want that. We want that happiness. We want that joy. We want that privilege. But that may be taken away from you at some point. And when it gets bad, you can't let the bad destroy your faith and your confidence in the reality of who you are in Christ. And so he says, you're pilgrims here. You're just passing through. Never forget that. You're just passing through this life. Hallelujah. And then he refers to them. And he goes on and he says that, he says that you are scattered and you're dispersed or you're scattered. I read one commentator where it says that these were small clusters of Christians throughout the region where they were living. And, and uh, they were, you know, they, they, they were just small in number. And they were just kind of tucked away in their various communities and cities. And I'm sure that they didn't feel like they were very strong. They didn't feel like they were very victorious because of what they were going through. I, and, and not only that, because of the pressure that they were experiencing in their, in their lives, they were being tempted to compromise in their faith rather than being singled out as Christians and suffering for it. They started, you know, kind of compromising in their devotion and their commitment to Jesus Christ. And rather than living in the resurrection power of Jesus, they were feeling more like they were barely hanging on. That's probably what they were feeling a lot of in what they were going through. And I think that we can all identify right now in this season that we are like you feel like you might be barely hanging on. Amen. I don't, I'm sorry to do this. I'm going to bring up COVID-19. I'm, so, I'm tired of talking about it. And more importantly, I'm tired of living it. Can I get a witness out there? But listen, this crisis that we're in is not the worst thing we're facing in the earth today by a long shot. And I'm not dismissing the fact that it is a very real threat. And I'm thankful for the leadership of our nation, though I will say I was dragging my feet in the beginning. Can I be honest with you? I was dragging my feet. But I am thankful for the steps that were taken to, to uh, you know, to pre, uh, prevent death and to secure life. But this isn't the biggest problem we're facing. The death rate of other things in the first three months of this year are exponentially higher than COVID-19. Suicides. 200,000 people in the first three months. This is world death rate. These are world numbers. 
Malaria claimed the lives of 256,000 people in the first three months. Death by uh, traffic fatality, about 300,000 people died in the first three months. Alcohol, 600,000 people. Smoking, 300,000 people. In the first three months. And I'm not trying to say that this thing that we're going through right now isn't a big deal. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying death and hopelessness and despair are coming from all kinds of directions. And then you add on to that our own kind of death and our own kind of despair and our own kind of discouragement right down into our own homes and our own lives and our own finances and our own families. This is not the biggest problem. It is a problem, but it's not the biggest thing. And we can feel like when we're grappling with this, as Christians, we can become susceptible to all the death and discouragement around us. And we can lose that living hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can, we can lose that vitality of a resurrected life, of who Jesus is and what he accomplished for us. And more than that, what we have in him, what we have in him. That resurrection life. And so I want to talk about this today. And I want you to look at that word. Michonne, if it's up, if you could bring that back, that verse again. I want you to see it again. First Peter chapter one, verse three. According to his abundant mercy, he has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection. Everybody say resurrection. That word resurrection in the Greek language is anastasis. It comes from two words. Anna, up, stasis, to stand. The word resurrection literally means stand up. It doesn't mean that Jesus just merely came back to life. He did come back to life. But what it really means is that he stood up. And he walked out of that grave. And he walked out of that graveyard. And he walked out of that hopeless circumstance. He walked out of that place that he found himself in. He was resurrected and he stood up and he walked. Hallelujah. And this is what I want to talk about today. I think we need to get some stand up and walk in us. That's what we need right now in the church. That's what we need in the earth today, that we need that resurrection, that living hope in the resurrection of Jesus. We need that. I don't know if you guys probably have heard this story, a uh, little, little joke. It's supposed to be about a mother and her little daughter, and the daughter was giving her fits one day, and she was trying to tell the daughter what she was supposed to do, and the daughter was fussing with her mother, and her mother grew exasperated and told her daughter, she said, well, now you just need to go sit down in the corner and just sit there until you can change your attitude. And the little girl marched over to the corner, and she sat down in the corner, she folded her arms, and she was huffing and puffing, and after a few minutes, she turned to her mother and said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. And can I flip that around just a little bit? Life may set you down. Circumstances may set you down. Situations beyond your control may set you down. But you and I need to get some stand-up on the inside. 
We need to get some, not in a spirit of rebellion against a system or something like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a stand-up kind of faith and resiliency. Not rebellion, resiliency in the living hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is this too hard preaching for TV? I don't know. Amen. The living hope of, a resur- of the resurrection power means that we need to stand up and walk. And so there's, just a, there's a few things that I just kind of felt impressed in my heart to share with us about areas where we may need to stand up and walk in. And these may, not all of these may ap- uh, apply to you, but there may be one. There may be a word in here somewhere that's just for you. I know there was one just for me and i've already been dealing with it but we need to we must stand up and first of all we need to stand up and walk out of that dead situation that you find yourself in when jesus stood up and walked out in resurrection power when he walked out of that grave you know what he was saying he was signaling to everyone who would come to him that this is what you're going to do too you're not just going to come to life. You're not just going to come to life and, ask, and go around and tell people that you're a Christian and you believe in God. You're going to get up and you're going to walk out of the dead place and the dead situation in your life. Isaiah 53, 9 says that Jesus made his grave among the wicked. He went right where we live. Though he never committed a sin, though he never made an error, he took upon himself our sinfulness and he laid himself, or he was laid in our wickedness as it were. He made his grave with the wicked, Isaiah 53 verse 9. But on resurrection morning that Isaac read to us just a few moments ago when the women were coming to further prepare his body for burial and they saw the stone rolled away the angel sat there and said why are you looking for what is alive where death is there's nothing here but death you can't live the life of jesus in a dead place amen and jesus got up and walked out of that dead situation and so must we death comes in many kinds of forms there's a there's the death of the old self-life you know you can't hang on you listen where you're going you can't hang on to what you were that's not what you are when you come to jesus and you put your faith in the lord jesus christ that means the old life the old you the old self the old flesh gotta go amen Paul was telling the Ephesian Ephesian believers, he said, that you used to be children of darkness, and you used to live under the influence of the prince of the power of the air, but you don't live there anymore. In fact, he said in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, I think we have this, he says, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that we were made alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved how many thank God for the grace of God hallelujah going on he says 
and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You don't live in your dead life anymore. And if you are, it doesn't work. You got to walk out. You got to walk out of that dead situation. And you can have power over the devils. You used to be under the influence of the prince of the power of the air, but you're not anymore. He's under your feet. You're seated with Christ. If heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool, guess what? Satan's under your feet because you're seated with Christ. Amen. I'm preaching myself happy. And there's hardly anybody here. Amen. There's the death of hope. Some of us are in a dead situation where we've lost hope. We've lost hope in a variety of ways. We don't, you know what hopelessness is? A lack of expectation that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. That's hopelessness. And some of us are in that place right now. There's the death of relationship. For some of us, we're experiencing a broken relationship with God. It's not... And I, I would, I probably, I should say it better like this: When you give your heart to Jesus, you never lose your relationship with Jesus Christ, but you can break fellowship by not relating with Him and being with Him and spending time in His presence. There, there's the death of relationship in your marriage or in family or in friends around you. There's the death of dreams. There's the death of visions. There's the death of desires. We find ourselves sometimes caught up and clustered away in these places of our lives where we don't have, where, where we've lost that hope, that resurrection hope, that living hope of the resurrection power of Jesus in our lives. And we need to get it back. Some, for some of us, we're, we're in a place of the death of prayer, the death of faith, the death, the death of fellowship. Right now, it's like, this is a death of fellowship. Amen. We need to walk out of those dead situations. What dead place are you living in right now that you just need to walk out of it? I love the story on the day uh, just shortly before Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus went and raised Lazarus from the dead. And you know what he said to him? He didn't say, Lazarus, come back to life. He said, Lazarus. Come out, come forth. And he did, bound hand and foot. And what did Jesus say? Loose him and let him go. And that's what we're talking about. There are some dead situations that have a hold on us. And you can be fully alive, but you've got to be loosed and you've got to let go. There's some things you need to let go of so that you can walk in the liberty in which Christ has made you free. Amen. We can never stand victoriously in who we are so long as we live where we're, we used to be. We're going to have to let that go. Be loosed. Everybody say, be loosed and let it go. Amen. We must stand up and walk out of that dead situation. The second thing that I want to say 
in this resurrection life is we must stand up and walk with the Lord Jesus every day of our lives. When you leave the past, when you leave the past of your old self, your old life, or even leave the dark situations of present circumstances in your life, it's important that we realize we're not in this walk alone, this journey alone. It's all about Jesus. And we need to walk with Jesus every day. And on the day of Jesus' resurrection, I love the story. I was reading through it just this last week in my own personal devotion time. I just happened to be in that area. And I love that story where two of Jesus' followers, we don't know who they were. They weren't the original of the 12, and, and, but they were followers of Jesus. They were acquainted with Jesus. They followed him, and they were on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus came up alongside of them, and they didn't recognize who he was. But as they were walking along, Jesus began to probe the depths of their heart. They're discouraged, they're sad, they're heartbroken because their rabbi is no longer around. But Jesus began to show them from the scriptures what must happen and what must take place. And then they came to a fork in the road and Jesus would have gone on beyond them, but they begged him to stay. And they spent more time with him And as they were spending more time with him and they broke bread, then their eyes were open and they could see that it was Jesus. And then they said, and then immediately he vanished. Isn't that just like the Lord sometimes? You know, sooner you get close to the Lord, then he vanishes. But he never leaves you. Amen. That's important. And they said to one another, did our hearts not burn within us? when we had all this time with him. And I just want to say to you that life in Jesus is a journey. It's a walk of relationship. The more you walk with him, the deeper your desire for him becomes and the greater your understanding of him grows. The more time you're with Jesus, the more time you desire, the more you desire him. Christianity without a relationship with Jesus is nothing. It's not even real. We need to walk with Jesus and have that desire in our heart. And Paul understood this. Paul the apostle even had this craving and this desire because the more you the more time you spend with Jesus, the more of him you want and desire in your life. And Paul said, I want to know him. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. He says, I want to know him. I don't know all of him that I have, but I can't get it without being in relationship with him and fellowship and walking with him. You can't know Jesus. Can I just say this? You can't know him from a distance. You can't get Jesus just by, well, if we had church, by just showing up to church. It's a daily thing. And there's some of us listening right now that the Lord is calling you to a living hope in his resurrection to walk with him. Stand up and walk with him every single day of your life.
Here's what Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Here's how you walk in a relationship with Christ. You receive him, and when you receive Jesus Christ, the Lord, that means he's the Lord in our heart. He's the Lord of our life. You receive him. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him, you, you have the right to become children of God. And that's how you step into a relationship with Jesus, by just simply trusting in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross. Amen. And you receive him as the Savior, the Lord, Christ Jesus, the Lord. And then how to, and, and how, so how do I walk with him? Just like you received him. Right here it says, so walk in him, rooted and built up in, in him, established in the faith. You trusted Jesus to get saved and you trust him and believe in him to walk with him every single day of your life. Hallelujah. Going back to Jesus with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Let's just look at their walk with Jesus real quickly. It was a walk of intimacy. They were just walking with Jesus. You can just walk with everywhere you go, everything you do, you're, you're with Jesus. You're with Jesus. And it's intimacy. And not only that, but they were... It was, a, it was a walk where they loved and they were learning his word. Jesus was imparting the word to them. And it was just, it was, it was causing a fire to be stirred in their soul. And then when Jesus, in that, in that situation, thought or pretended that he would go on further without them, they begged him to stay. And it's that, that's another part of this walking with Jesus is seeking more of him in prayer and communion. Being with him, just talking to the Lord and visiting with him and praying and crying out to him. It's just, it's, I know this is real basic, but listen, this is real important to living in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And not only that, but there was corporate interaction between themselves. It wasn't just, it's not just me and Jesus, it's us and Jesus and they fed off of each other. And in fact, they left there, went back to the disciples, and they told them what they experienced. And the disciples didn't believe them either. Didn't believe the women. Didn't believe the two men who walked on the road who said they saw him, but they were, they, they, they not, not only had that corporate interaction, but when they had a real relationship with Jesus, it drove them, it gave them mission. They wanted to spread that word. They wanted to share what they experienced in in Christ. This is the living hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Walking out of that dead situation you presently find yourself in. Which means then you walk with Jesus every day. Amen. Another thing that I want to bring up in this resurrection life of Jesus. We must stand up and walk by faith and not by sight. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says just those words. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk 
with the Lord by faith, not by what I see, if it's good or bad or good or not, or by what I feel or by what feels good to me or by my circumstance. We walk by faith. We walk by trust. We walk by utter and complete dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark's gospel, and I mentioned it just a moment ago, after the resurrection of Jesus, I love the way Mark's gospel puts it. It says that Jesus showed up to his disciples and he rebuked them for their hardness of heart and unbelief for not believing those who saw him alive. Here's Jesus, freshly resurrected. He walks into a room of a group of people about this size, and he lays it on them. (laughs) Come on. I've been talking about this. Your close friends bore witness to this, but they didn't believe. You know why they didn't believe? Because they didn't see it. Because in our culture, I'll believe it when I see it. But in God's culture, you believe and then you see. In our world, seeing is believing. With God, believing is seeing. That's just the way it is. Remember Thomas? We give Thomas a hard time. Thomas is a lot like all of us. Or we're a lot like Thomas. Come on now. Let's be real. Thomas said, they said, we saw the Lord. He's like, I don't believe it. Unless I put my fingers in the nail prints and my hand in that hole in his side, I won't believe it. Jesus shows up a week later. Thomas, come on over. Come on down, Thomas. Thomas falls to his knees. And he says, my Lord and my God. And here's what Jesus said to him. Thomas, because you have seen me, you believed. But blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they believe. Hallelujah. Right here in 1 Peter 1, verse 8, Peter says to these Christians who are struggling with where they're at and they're, they feel like they're barely hanging on and they don't feel very victorious. And that's why he mentions this whole resurrection of Jesus. Come on, we're resurrected people and they don't feel very resurrected in power. And Peter said to them, he reminds them, he says, you've not seen Jesus, but you love him. And even though you do not now see him, yet believing you rejoice with inexpressible Joy, full of joy. You, you, come on guys, think about it. You believe in somebody you have never seen. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I know you're, I know you're not liking your situation right now, but you believed in him. He saved your life. Believe in him. He is your deliverer. Hallelujah. Walking by faith. Can, Michonne, could you bring that back up, that 2 Corinthians 5, 7? I want you to see this. This is such a simple little verse, isn't it? I mean, simple, and it's not very big, and I can understand all the words. 
For, for we walk by faith, not by sight. I got to tell you, that is easier said than done. I'm just being honest with you. Walking by faith and not my sight, I think, is profound. Because we're conditioned the other way, and I don't want to go back into that. But I think the way that I would, one way that I would want to describe this, I, I think there's a lot of ways that this could be treated, but if I could just say it this way, this idea of walking by faith and not by sight is, I, I want to say this without sounding like a football coach, but it's the development of the winning attitude. Can I say it that way? I know that sounds so, I don't know, footballish. It's the development of a winning attitude. Even if you're not sure what's going to happen or if you're going to win. But you just get a winning attitude. Just like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm not going to go by sight. I don't, I don't know how else to say that. Look at Abraham. Abraham, I'm calling you from here to there. I'll tell you when you're there. You just leave here. And when you get there, I'll let you know you're there. That's faith. To leave everything that you know to be true and good and right. But when God calls you and he calls you into something or he calls you into ministry or he calls you into a place and you're like, I don't know what's on the other side. But when God called you, you believed. You believed he called you. And then you just go for it. That's just, that's, that's faith, not sight. <laughs> Amen. And I mean, there's a ton of them. How about Joseph? God spoke to him, gave him dreams, gave him visions, and no sooner did he get that than his own family literally threw him away. And then when he found himself rising again to the top in another situation, he was falsely imprisoned. He just believed God. He couldn't see it. All he could see was light at the end of the tunnel down in the cave that he was thrown in. Or all he could see is that I'm in a prison. Paul, how, you know, there, there's countless people you can, but Paul would be one too. I was thinking about Paul. You know, Paul was like a Timex watch. He took a licking and kept on ticking. I mean, I was reading in 2 Corinthians where Paul talks about, he gives a litany of things that he has had to endure for the cause of Christ. He said, I've labored more abundantly than everyone. I love this. He said, I have, I, I have stripes beyond measure. In other words, I've had my more than fair share of beatings. That's what that means, beyond measure. He said, I've been in prisons, plural. He said, I have received death threats, been stoned and left for dead, shipwrecked on three separate occasions. He said, I was in constant peril at sea, on the land, with my own countrymen. 
in other government world powers. He said, I'm weary of travel. In other words, they didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles, okay? They, I'm weary of the journey, deprived, sleep deprived, hungry, thirsty, naked, cold. And he went on to say, and not only that, I carry this burden for the church. But earlier in that book, after before he gave that litany of things that he endured, he said also this about his ministry. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessel, and we're just clay pots, but God has filled us with all of his glory, with all of his goodness. And he said, and therefore he says in uh, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, he says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, or we are in lockdown, but we're not destroyed. Come on. That's faith. That's faith. That's a, it's a winning attitude. That's what it is. It's like I'm not going to lose. Everything in the world makes it look like I'm losing. But I'm not going to lose. I may, be, I may get knocked down. But I'm not destroyed. Listen, every one of you and every, every one of us are going to go through storms in life. And you're going to go through tests and you're going to go through trials and you're going to go through disappointments. Listen to me, the key word, you're going to go through. You're going to go through. Why are you going to go through? Well, back here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it says, because we are kept by the power of God through faith. We're kept by the power of God through faith. Isn't that amazing? You trust God. You believe God. God keeps it together for you. Hallelujah. That's good news. Amen? There's one final thought. This resurrection life. Step, stand up and walk. We need to stand up and walk into God's purpose for our life. Peter wrote the book of 1 Peter, obviously. Peter was in, he was, though in the beginning he didn't believe, like he had trouble believing it. He, in fact, did become one of the eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was there. He saw Jesus alive, no longer on the cross, no longer in the grave, He walked with him for a period of about 40 days. They walked with Jesus off and on, met with him. How would you like to have 40 days with Jesus like that? Wouldn't that be fun? And so Peter was there. He saw all this. And Peter was a man's man. He was a... He was, he was picked to be the leader of the church, but remember what happened before Jesus died and rose again. Remember those hours when Peter said that he would die for Jesus and Jesus cautioned him and told him, you're not gonna, you're, you, you won't be able to stand up in the, under the heat of pressure. And it was true. He, he folded and he, not only did he fold it, he didn't just run away. He vehemently denied Jesus. Can you imagine the turmoil and the shame and the disgrace that he thought about himself. 
how disgraceful, how shame, how, how hard he must have been on himself. He thought, he literally thought his future was over. He wept bitterly. In fact, the Bible tells us that he even tried to go back to his former occupation. But Jesus, everybody say, but Jesus. But Jesus, the resurrected Lord, listen, he wouldn't let him go, and he wouldn't let Peter let himself go. You know, when the Lord touches you, he's not only, only going to not let go of you, even when we make our biggest mistakes and our largest foibles and make wrong turns all over the place, Jesus has a plan and Jesus has a purpose for your life. And not only is he not going to let you go, but there's something on the inside of you, that, that touch of God that you just can't, you can't ultimately even let go of yourself. Believing that God can do this. And so 40 days with Jesus off and on before Jesus ascended into heaven and on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the power of God came on him in such measure, in such anointing that all the disciples were there. About a hundred, well, not only the the 11, well, there were 12 again at that time, but then there were about 120 people in that upper room and God was, he poured out his spirit on those folks and... um, and then not only was God working in the church, but he was working in the streets. Because you know when God works in the church and when God, he works in the streets, God's working in all kinds of ways to bring things together. And the people crowded in and they wanted to know what was going on. And you know what Peter did who just a month and a half earlier was doing? Weeping and crying and wanting to quit the ministry and didn't, didn't believe in himself and didn't think he had a future. He stands up. And he preaches the first gospel message. He stepped into his purpose. Why? Because he had the resurrection power of Jesus on the inside of him. That has me, gives meaning and significance and purpose to life. And he stepped into his calling. 3,000 people came to Jesus on that first day. And I just want to tell you. Where it concerns the resurrection, let me just say it like this. It ain't over till it's over. You're not done till Jesus comes back. With resurrection life and resurrection power, you can, God can set you back on your feet again. I love what Paul says in Philippians 1 and 6. I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Say that word will complete it. Say it again. Will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's working on you and he's not done till he comes back to take you. Hallelujah. That's good news, isn't it? Here's another verse of scripture I want to throw you. Proverbs 23 verse 18 says, For surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. And the other day when I was reading that, something, I felt a spark in my spirit. I've read that verse of scripture a few times in my life. For surely there is a hereafter. I was a hereafter. Yeah, there's going to be a heaven. There's going to be heaven. 
and your hope will not be cut off. And I, I, I saw something I never saw before. He says, there's going to be a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. You ever felt like your hope was cut off? Like in this world, like in your life, in your marriage, in your, in your purpose, in your destiny? You just feel like maybe you messed up, you went too far, you, you know, it's over? There is a after from here. There's a hereafter. It's not over. It's not over. Wherever you are, which is here, whatever you're feeling, whatever you've done, whatever you didn't do, whatever, there's, a, there's an after here. Your hope won't be cut off. Your future's not cut off. Your destiny, your purpose isn't done with. Why? Because Jesus is alive, and you live in that resurrection hope, in that resurrection power. And he can raise the dead, and he can make things come back to life. Amen. And so I want to tell you, there's, a, there's an after from here in your purpose and significance. You have purpose and significance now, right now, but also there's purpose of eternity then. There is a place that we can hope to go to when we know Jesus Christ. I've debated whether or not I should share this, but many of you know of Julie's brother. His name was Mervyn. And uh, about a couple of months back, we invited the whole church to pray for him. He had, um, he had leukemia. And he was battling leukemia. And we had... The church was so gracious in praying for Mervyn, and, and we saw some positive turnarounds. We saw some positive things. And in fact, he had, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to say the wrong thing, a clean bill of health at one point that it was in remission. And then we just found out just about a week ago, I think it was about a week ago, that it was back. And then we found out a couple of days ago that at that time that they didn't think that he would make it through the night. And then we woke up this morning to the message that he died early this morning. And our hearts are sad and our hearts are broken. And we appreciate your prayers for Julie and her family. But the reason why I wanted to tell you this is because even though it's sad to know for Julie, especially family and all of us that know him and loved him, it's sad on this part, on this side, but we have the joy of knowing that Mervyn knew the Lord, had a confession of faith in Christ Jesus, came to know him at a promise, promise keeper's convention, and over the years was growing in his faith. And so, <laughs> what better day? You might think this is the worst day for someone to pass on. On Resurrection Sunday. But see, he did experience a resurrection today in his death. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Though he may die, yet shall he live. Hallelujah. And Mervyn right now is with Jesus in a way that you and I are not with Jesus. 
And I'm saying all that to say there's a hereafter. There's an after here in the earth. You got purpose and meaning and significance, but there's an also hereafter. After all this is said and done, there's a place of eternity. And here's the point. Jesus died and rose again to ensure that every single person gets that opportunity to live eternally with him forever and ever. And if you're watching today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today would be a good day to give your life to Jesus and accept him as your Savior, accept him as your Lord and know him personally and intimately. And so I want to just kind of close this out right now by just praying for anyone out there that's watching. Honestly, probe your own heart and ask yourself the serious question. Have you trusted in the Lord? Have I trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about, oh, I'm a Christian versus, you know, I'm not this or I'm not that. I'm not talking about what you profess. I'm talking about, have you trusted in Jesus and what he did on the cross, that he died, that he's Lord, that he rose from the dead? Do you believe that? Have you trusted in him as your only hope of salvation? Because if you have, then you know that if you were to die today, you'd go to be with the Lord forever. But if you have not, then we would be lost eternally without him. And Jesus came to save. He came to save us all. So as you're sitting in your home or looking at your phone or where, however you're watching this or listening to this, maybe just right there, just kind of bow your head. Or you, don't, you don't have to bow your head you don't have to get down on your knees you don't have to close your eyes but just whatever whatever helps you to zero in to just kind of just get to if i could say it this way just get spiritual just right now just and just have faith in god right now the bible says and i love these words that if you confess jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you shall be saved for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just call out to him right now. Just say something like this, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. No matter what good things I've done, I've also committed lots and lots of sins, and I'm a sinner, and I'm lost without you. I need you. I want you. I want to be raised up in my life. I want to live in your resurrection power. Save me now, Lord. Come into my heart. Take over in my life, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Say those words. If you prayed a prayer like that, just thank him right now because Jesus saves. It's not based on what you do, for by grace you are saved. That through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. You can't do anything to get saved. Just believe on Jesus. Just trust him. And you're saved. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for what you're doing right now as folks are watching this all over. I thank you, Lord, that you're touching hearts and you're drawing people to yourself.
And we just speak life right now. I speak life into you right now. I, I just come against the spirit of doubt and unbelief right now in Jesus' name. And I pray, I pray that your hearts would be opened, that God, that the scales will drop from our eyes and that we would see, that we would see Jesus as Lord and Savior of all. And I pray that not only for anyone who might uh, confess to be lost, I pray that for every one of us. I pray that the scales will drop from our own eyes, that we will see what we haven't been seeing. Maybe we've been living in dead places dark places, discouraging places. The Lord said, you need to walk out of that. There's something you're dealing with, you're living with, that you need to walk away from that right now. Come on. We're talking about resurrected life right now. Step out. If there's something you need to confess and lay it down, what did Jesus say? What did he say? Come forth. Loose him. Let him go. Jesus might be saying, you need to let go of this right now. Let go of it. Let go of it. Just say, Lord, Give me the grace to let go of it, to release it, to be loosed of it in Jesus' name. And I pray for anyone who hasn't been walking with Jesus in relationship, that you will not be a Christian in name only, but you will be a Christian in relationship. Walking with Jesus every day of your life. Having faith, faith, trusting in the Lord, believing in God, and stepping into your purpose in your destiny. Praise you, God. I don't know. I'm going to do this. You may think it's weird. We're going to close right now. But right there in your home, you may feel like this is weird. The Bible says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Well, you're not in this sanctuary, but you're in that sanctuary. And right where you are, can you just lift your hands with me to the Lord? Just lift your hands. And then just speak a praise right out loud to Jesus. Just thank him that he's the risen and resurrected Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are alive and that you bring life where there's death and you bring hope where there's hopelessness. Thank you for saving us, Lord. Thank you for healing us. Thank you, Lord, that Mervyn is with you today. Thank you, Lord, that people have come to you that people's lives are going to be changed, Lord. We just thank you for what you have done today, what you are doing, and what you're going to do tomorrow and in this coming week, God. We just thank you that you have provided for us through this, this crisis that we've been going through. We thank you, Lord, that you've been giving us the grace to do it, to go through it, and to do it victoriously. We love you, Lord, and we honor your holy name, and we bless you now in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in today. It was good to be with you. Continue to have a great Resurrection Day.